You're listening to C3 Church Vancouver Podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. But we found over the years that when we set these goals and marvelous ideas about what we're going to achieve in a year, it didn't quite happen that way. And so we've, um, we've, th- we've, we've, it's all about language, you know, it's all about semantics, and we call them aspirations. <laughs> Things we aspire to in God to become a doer. We need vision, and we need, and you know, playing on words or not, we need to have holy aspirations. And so we, we're coming into that season for us when we do that. We usually wait a few weeks before we jump right into it, because so many of you are like turning up to church now, you know, you know you've had to come in off the slopes, <laughs> and your mother got sick of you back home in Toronto, your sister said, get out of my beer, go home. <laughs> I've had a little shot of Carol there, look at that Carol back. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm back too, because I do this stuff, and the early parts of the year I sometimes sit on church boards abroad where they are working through their vision for the year, and they, they invite me in as kind of like a prophetic advisor, you know. Um, I have to say, it's, it's some of the easiest um, assignments I get, because I don't have to prepare for it other than just be shifting the gift, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and, and But, but the, the payment on the other side of it is like hours of boredom, like three days of sitting there listening to facts and figures and all sorts of things that I can't relate to. <laughs> But at the end of the day, we say what we say, and then I preach for them on the Sundays and pray over everybody I can and, and then come on home. So it's that kind of a beginning of the year. So here we are. We're sort of getting close to the ask card and all that. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, I think that's always a great season in the church as we come to our aspirations. But um, one of the things I've noticed with the um, preaching of late is there's been the, the, uh, a theme around the pastoral. And... I couldn't have thought of a better thing for the team to be preaching on, although I think the Holy Spirit is very much involved in this, that in their sensitivity in seeking God for the word of the Lord to to start things rolling, they have um, happened upon a delightful theme, sort of quoting, sort of, you know, Psalmish type (laughs) language. And, um, Mm -hmm. And I believe it's what God is saying to us in the next stage of our development as a church, we have a, a long-term developing church. You know, 15 yes. years of church plant. We've never really quite finished. Uh, we're, we're still going. And uh, I so appreciate the team, uh, Catherine and Rose and Matt last week on that theme. I know Catherine's got another one to bring uh, on the back of her last message. So I'm trying to slot into that flow uh, for us here this morning to catch it and also to contribute um, towards it. It highlights a little thing for those of you who are newish in the church. Um, I am the presiding elder, the founding father. Hey, hey, I'm not bragging. This is not Donald Trump here. Um, you know. Easy. And I'm, God bless him. You know, what else can you say? I hope, yes. I hope you're calling down exactly. God. Anyway, God. Um, let, let, you know, just, uh, now I've ruined the meeting. Yeah. Just get that out. You know. <laughs> We're Canadians, okay? We're here. We're on the right side of the hedge, the wall. Right away. <laughs> Just getting on. <laughs> but, you know, uh, some, some who are newer in the world may not fully get this, and, and I've, I've run into it a couple of times, not recently, by the way, at all, but with folks who've come in, who've perhaps come in from 
the churches where I do go in and I itinerate and do things, perhaps in Australia, New Zealand and so on, and um, they've come here to be part of us over the years or whatever, and they said, Fletch, it's good to have you back. It'll be great to have you in the pulpit. Then they round off their comment by saying, you know, the guys that have been preaching, they, they really held the fault well for you. And I go, you're missing the point. Yeah. They're not filling in. Yeah. They're it. Yeah. You see, some people want to attach themselves to my gift. Forgive me, I'm talking a little bit about me. But they want to attach themselves to my gift. You know, he's this prophet, prophet guy, whatever. I don't care what I am, to be honest. Uh, I'm a lot of things. Um, but, but... People want to attach to the gift, but not the vision. Right. You know? They want you to give them an exhortation, edification, comfort word, but they don't want to get involved on the levels of building a house. I had to make a decision at the very early days of the planting of this church. Because we had been repeatedly speaking in the great conferences at Toronto Airport Vineyard, you know, I was there... Uh, one of their key speakers for years that there was to take another drink. You know, there's only the only good pastor's a drunk one, you know that. Uh, take another drink conference, and, and what was the other one? Another one, anyway. The party is here. The party is here, you know. Conference is named after me. But, um, <laughs> but the fact is, when I came here, I had, to, I had to pull myself not away from the influence, not away from the Holy Spirit, not away yes. from renewal, but I had to pull myself into church plant church build mode and not just have a revival meeting because seasons come and go, revivals or renewals according to the language of scripture times of refreshing times plural of refresh, refreshing they come and they go, they're seasonal they might be 10 years seasonal, 20 years or generally speaking they're 5 to 10 and, and you know they're great to be involved in but Pastor Phil Pringle gave me a little word as I left Australia to come and plant he says, you can, you, can, you can use revival to build the church or you can use your church to build revival. Right. And the comment was about this, not negative, but if you use the church to build revival, you are a revival center, at some point it's going to die down. At some point the wave is receding because something else is coming. But he says, take what's coming and build the church. Okay? So that's what we do. And so when Catherine, Rose, Matt, and all the other great preachers, you know, it's bad just to name them because there's more than them, but they're the ones that have been on recently. They're not fill-ins. They're it. Our pet and our, we have this vision. We want the next generation to succeed us. And by the way, I think we're shifting a gear in this season where we're going to put our hand through the generation to the one coming up under that. That's right. And start to lift and shift them into functions and involvement that will set them on a course, hopefully, for God and leadership in the church. Because we prospect downwards. It's not about holding on. You know, I'm 65. I'm not looking at this year, by the way. I'm 64 now. (laughs) I'm still with the Beatles. And somebody said, yeah, that looks like it too. But anyway, keep moving, moving right along. Um, you know, I have no, I have no call to retire. I might reshape. That would be good. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, reshape the ministry 
and calling and, and perhaps seniority goes with maturity and experience of years. It's not about a position. Yes. And that's how Patty and I think. And in every church, we've had the upper hand in the senior role and we've always been giving it away. It might be a 20 years giveaway or a 15 years or a 10 years giveaway, but it's been a giving away and we're under that same flow here. So that's all to put it out there, right? And nothing is going to change tomorrow or even perhaps it's going to take more than a year or two. But let me just bring us now to what God is saying to us on this issue of the pastoral. And I'll call today's message, if the title slide is up there, mm -hmm. Pastoral Paradigms, a blueprint for a healthy church. Do you love my picture? It was taken in Milan. Some movie, some movie guy decided to do a movie... Uh, about something in which there were a whole bunch of sheep needed in the main streets of Milan. And I like the fusion of city and the sheep paradigm, the pastoral paradigm. God bless you. Whoever that... My friend. Anyway, John 10, verses 1 to 16 is where I want to read right now. John 10, 1 to 16. The great parable of the great shepherd the shepherd and the sheep. What a wonderful parable. I do not want to, this morning, preach the meaning of the parable. I want to talk about the paradigm behind the parable. Right. <laughs> There's a thought. All right? So let's have a look. Beginning at verse 1. Truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you. Now he's answering a bunch of Pharisees who were backing up on him. And he comes out with this amazing parable to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, hmm. that man is a thief and a robber. Yeah. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. You know, they look the same. They can look the same. A thief, a robber, and a shepherd can look the same. All right? But one comes over the wall. The other one comes through the door. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them, uh, when, uh, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. There's some interesting nuance in the language. When he has brought out all his own, there can be another shepherd's sheep in the same fold. Carrying on, that's not negative. This is just in the paradigm. But when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. The figure, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. <coughs> so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, there's so many things here. In and out, in and out. Ah, oh, Jesus. There's something about the church needing to go in and out. If we don't have an outflow, we don't find good pastures. 
uh, just leave that, let it hang before you hang me. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. See where that wonderful text comes from about abundant life? comes in the midst of the pastoral paradigm, in the midst of the talking about sheep and shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, old versions say, he who is a hireling, it's a negative comment. He who is a, is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. and They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. I just, want you to, I just want you to see in the paradigm here at this last verse, fold and flock. We'll jump on that in just a minute. You see, much is said today um, in church development about structuring for growth. Structuring for growth. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. But it's a strong thing. It's a major thing. Most mega church development groups and people that invite you in for church growth development typically talk about leadership training, systems, strategies, structures that all are toward getting statistical growth. It's a big thing. And I want the church to grow. It's better we have more saved than not. Right? And with a great church, by numbers, there's more we can do and influence and so on. But if that's the only emphasis, how many of you know you can be very big but not necessarily be very mature or very healthy? That's right. Right. And so the New Testament is a little dis- different. The New Testament emphasis is about health. It's about health, not growth. The New Testament emphasis um, is more about if you like, um, vital signs than it is about statistical and numerical growth. It's about that your heart is beating promptly, that you've got a good health, your, your pulse rate is right, your, you know, the, everything's functional, right? Vital signs more than it is statistical um, you know, strategies. It's more about character than it is about counts. Remember Sesame Street, the count? (laughs) (laughs) Today's at the church growth conference. Today's church conference is brought to you by the number 2,500. (laughs) What about a conference on character? What about a conference on the health of the church? What about a conference or what about a message that's for the health that actually sustains growth. That's right. If God chooses to bless it in that way, whether it's mega or just short and small in proportion to what others have. You see, contemporary paradigms are often business models. Right. But the biblical paradigms were often farm models, 
Agrarian or pastoral? Agrarian meaning, you know, tilling the land, wheat, barley. And how much of the metaphors and symbolisms of the Old Testament are built around agrarian paradigm, vineyard, all those things, or built around pastoral paradigms, which is in the main, in the scripture, the sheep-shepherd metaphor. The great patriarchs, Abraham was a shepherd. So was Isaac and Jacob. Well, Jacob, yes, well, he was. Um, but so was Moses. And so was David. And a number of the prophets, including Amos, were all shepherds. So much of the culture, the paradigm, the thinking... In the New Testament, of course, we do have fishermen, which is a whole other paradigm, but that slips into the vernacular and metaphors and meanings of the New Testament as well. But you can see what I'm saying here. Their paradigms from which they drew to talk about church were not business paradigms as we know it. And it's their paradigms that give language. It's their paradigms that give us metaphors and meanings to what is church. In a New Testament concept, we have to have a look at their paradigm so that we can understand what they were getting at in the use of words and metaphors from that paradigm or that related to that paradigm. Okay, it's, it's a good thing to find out in a Bible dictionary or a concordance what the meaning of a word is, but it's not enough. You've got to see how it's being applied in Scripture and how the Holy Spirit is using it. In scripture, which gives it emphasis and a particular, if you like, bent. That's a thing called hermeneutics. We'll talk about that in Bible college at another time. <laughs> Be prepared to sign up. But here in verse 6 of John 10, it says this. This, Jesus says, this figure, or says about Jesus, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, or this parable, I love the ESV here, this figure of speech Jesus used with them used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. A figure of speech, a metaphor. He was drawing off a paradigm. Let me just say this. The pharisaical resistance to Jesus brought a mental refusal of his message anyway. They wouldn't engage meaningfully with the parable because they were resisting him. Now, in actual fact... They understood the paradigm better than you and I. But they were in resistance mode and couldn't apply the metaphors of sheep and shepherd to themselves. They did not want to relate to Jesus. We have another problem. Our problem is we actually believe it, but we often don't understand the paradigm to get its message. So we're lightly using it without getting what he was getting at. And that's what I want to touch on this morning. I know, how's that for a bunch of words to kick off a minute? <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about this morning. It's a little bit like thinking cap Sunday. <laughs> so let's have a look at this marvelous text of John 10 and a couple others as we try and get through this reasonably quickly. First thing I want to talk about is Jesus is the model shepherd. The model shepherd. Verse 16, I said, just remember this about fold and flock. It says in verse 16, I have other sheep that 
are not of this fold. They must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Fold and flock. Did you just get just here's a little equation in the paradigm. Well, let me just explain the word paradigm in case. In case some of you aren't used to that as a word. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of acting on a set of values from a particular way of seeing the world. So when you're a shepherd in the Middle East of ancient times, you're going to see the world through a set of values and ways, okay? That's a paradigm. If you're a, a modern technocrat, you're going to see it through modern eyes and technology. You know, you're going to see the world. And this is what we're talking about here. So let's get back into their paradigm, the model shepherd, Jesus. And, and you'll notice that he talks about one flock, but he's alluded to several folds. And we're not trying to interpret the parable just yet. But the principle is... There are many folds and one flock. The word fold in the Greek is speaking of a yard, an enclosure. I believe there's a picture up behind me of um, a, a Celtic one. But uh, all over the world in these uh, pastoral um, uh, cultures, uh, the shepherds traditionally built these kinds of enclosures. Some of them were made of brush and stick. Patty and I were on a wonderful trip coming up through Lucera in uh, Italy in the south and taking a, a back road following my father's war paths um, uh, from the Second World War. And we were pushing through a national forest going up onto a high tableland. When we broke out of the forest on the high tableland, I'd heard that there's these dark-skinned people, Berber people, who for, um, from ancient times have never left that region of Italy, but they migrate up and down a particular area herding sheep. And as we broke out onto the tableland, sure enough, our, uh, the road was blocked with a mob of sheep following this guy in, in uh, wool, uh, Berber striped um, uh, garb, a very dark, weather-beaten look, um, very smiling man, as he walked in front of the sheep and took his flock across the road. But all around, the windswept uh, sides of the tablelands around us were rock enclosures similar to this, a little bit smaller, but similar to this. And I went, aha, that's it. That's, that's it. That's the paradigm. Those are the sheep folds. All right? The sheep folds. An enclosure for keeping the sheep where they could be easily accounted for, tended to, and protected, and then led out from to good pastures. You know what I mean? 23rd Psalm and verse 4, it says, by rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The shepherd had two implements. One was the staff, that was the crook, you know, the bended end. And when the sheep were all in the pen or in the fold, and he saw one had a, a, a scab on it or a, a something, a fly blown, or, you know, that's, uh, I come from a sheep farming background, so I don't want to make you horrified. Only Kylie can cope with my language here. Who knows what I'm talking about? But a fly blown sheep's a very ugly thing. And, um, you know, if you're standing looking over your your little flock in the fold, you need something to get that sheep in. And that big crook, you just leaned over and you hooked it around his neck and pulled that sheep over to you so you could put the oil, thou dost anoint my head with oil. See? And when it says my rod and my staff, when the sheep were following the shepherd up to the gate, the door, yeah. he stood at the door, not with the crook now, but with a shorter rod. And as they came through, he counted. They just bounced it on the head. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You see, the rod, the rod for the sheep 
was a comforting touch of being accounted for. So when he then sat in front of that enclosure, which you can see is just big enough for him to stand in, he went to sleep there, by the way. He was the door. I'm jumping way over my message. So beautiful. <laughs> but this rod and staff business is thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yeah. You can see these metaphors are in the meaning of the 23rd Psalm, and we miss that. We get busy jumping to the far end of the metaphor and say, oh, that's the word of God. Well, actually, it's the shepherd's word of God, but it's got a whole lot to do with accounting for, with a comforting touch, with a caring and making sure you're okay and you're back in the fold. Isn't that right. cool? And so when there's a fold, they're easily accounted for, protected, and from there they're led out to good pastors. And Beautiful. In each fold there was a shepherd. I think the picture here, go back, go back, back. You're jumping ahead of me. You're jumping way ahead of me. <laughs> back, back sheep. There we go. No, no, next one, come forward, forward. That, yeah. That's it. Okay, now, shepherd. Shepherd. Greek word poimen means carer. Nurturer, feeder, Old English, pastor. Hmm. What if we just took out the Old English and gave it its actual meaning? And God gave some to the church, apostles, prophets, pastor. T uh, God gave some to the church, apostle, prophet, nurturer. Wow. Beautiful. Takes all the ecclesiastical, positional, hierarchical, Gab off it. Amazing. And we discover a most beautiful function. That's what we're doing here this morning. Cool. Praise yeah. God. Isn't that beautiful? And so you can see him standing in the door. They told you he would go to sleep there. Nothing could come through the door, but it came by him. There were others who wanted those sheep, <laughs> but didn't want to care for them. Right. They wanted the product. Not the person. And one of the many. And not even one of them just as a statistical count. But they didn't necessarily want to get involved in the worming and the dipping and the caring and looking at the hoops. Hey, my first job coming from New Zealand, my first job was at lambing season. Patty, don't die. <laughs> Clipping the ears, there's a little bit of blood in that, and the lamb hates it. You put a little tag on it. But I'm crusting, forgive me, I'm in church, but I want to horrify you about the joys <laughs> of being a shepherd and caring for sheep. But I'm crusting the bum. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you I wouldn't go down any further in church what that can do to a young man <laughs> about his aspirations to be a sheep. <laughs> Patty can tell you about another time and I'll have, one day I'll show you a picture of this. <laughs> but I was with an old school shepherd, sheep farmer who did the castrating the old way, because, you know, you can't have all your sheep growing up as rams. You're going to have real problems. 
You've got to do these poor little boys then. <laughs> and what we had to do was, and it was all the more painful for me because there was a young lady from the farm standing next to me. She picked up the lamb, rolled the lamb over, cut the top of the scrotum, handed it to me, and with my teeth, I pulled the testicles out of the scrotum. I've got pictures of that. You can just enjoy the thought. There's a lot involved in caring for sheep, I'm telling you. And, the, and there are people who want the sheep but don't want to do that. Get my point. They don't want to take the time. They're not about the welfare of you. They're about what you can give them. Right. Come on. I better quickly move on because I come up with another terrible illustration. <laughs> no, I haven't lost them. I've got them. They're staring at me wide eyed, Patty. Now, in verses 3 to 5, it says, To him, you, yeah, um, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, I made a little stop on that as I read through. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the, the voice of stranger. Here in the paradigm, you go to the next one now, the, the, the scared to change them up there now. There he is now. You see, he's leading his sheep. Now, Kylie and I come from Australia. Well, you don't lead them. You've got several thousand sheep in a mob. And you got these dogs in New Zealand. In Australia, they use the whistle a lot more, but and a few expletives. But in, in New Zealand, we would yell, "Get around the back, way back!" And that dog would go across a valley, like several kilometres away, and pick up the sound of your voice. And you go, "Back, boy, back, back!" And you see the dog run to the back of the mob on the other side of the hill. And you go, "Wheel them, wheel them, wheel them!" And the dog would turn the sheep around. And then you herded the sheep to where you wanted them to go. That's not how they did it in the Bible. Here's what they did. You see, you'll notice those folds could never take a whole flock of several thousands of sheep. They could only take up to a certain number. That was because in the ancient paradigm, you petted the sheep and you gave them names. And as you petted them while they were growing up with names, and you even gave them little bottles of milk, you, you looked after this little lamb until he grew up to a big sheepy, and he knew the sound of your affirming voice. Hmm. And here's the deal. You could have a mixed mob of sheep together, but when your voice was heard calling their names, come on, Flossie, <laughs> Wooly, <laughs> Lambskins, Mutton Chops, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> their ears would prick up to the sound of your voice. And they would follow you. They wouldn't follow the voice of a stranger. You know, there are other voices. But the sheep understood the voice of their master. That's right. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the paradigm. The pet sheep, the names. He knew them intimately. 
You know, there's that one with the bent nose. There's that one that's got Beautiful. a crooked leg. You know, there's that one, you know, that's got just a slightly wrong colour wall down the front. You know, there's this, there's that. You knew them. You gave them names accordingly. And you led them. You never herded them. Hmm. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Are you easily led? <laughs> that could be a very negative thing. <laughs> Put it into the paradigm of what we're talking about. You easily led? Hmm. Do you know the sound of the voice? Do you know the carer and the nurturer who accounts for you? Interesting, isn't it? In verses 10 to 13, I better move along very quickly, but um, it says there, where was it, about verse 13, it talks about the wolf that snatches them and scatters them. And then it talks in verse 13 about the hired hand who cares nothing for the sheep. And I made the comment about the hireling. And, you know, let, let me just say this in church life when it comes to wages and salaries and pain, you hire the hearty volunteer who would do it anyway. Right. You hear me? Yeah. I had a guy rock up in a combi van once. <laughs> but he was like 30 years too late. If, you know, if I rocked up in a combi van, that makes sense. Big flowers all down the side, surfboard on the top. But 30 years too late, a kid rolls up in a combi van, and he tells Patty and I that he's just graduated from such and such a Bible college. Have I got a position for him as a pastor? I thought, well, just give me your combi van and we'll think about it. <laughs> but, you know, you can have a degree. You can have a Bible college degree. You can have a regent Bible college degree. You can have a doctorate from region. I'm talking about the best here, right? It doesn't make you a pastor. And my, my, my kind of question to somebody like that is, well, what church are you serving in? Because if you come by degrees and you want to be paid, I want to know that you're not a hireling. Yeah. I want to know that Something has worked in you that you'll do this because of them, not because of you. Right. I've got to tell you, Patty and I were looking after people long before we were paid a commensurate wage to look after people. But there's something about a person who has the call of God on them that, that, that pursues the church with love. The care and the nurture. They're interacting here in this church all the time. Wonderful people. You're it. Yeah. You're not hiring. Mm -hmm. And then you'll notice in verse 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And it's in contrast to the hireling, the person who gets out of here when things go wrong. So I'm the good shepherd. It speaks not only of his character and quality, which of course is incomparable, but really what he's saying in emphasis, I'm the model. I'm the model. That, that text in John 10, that parable, among other things, being a message about what was happening in his time, was also another message to say, this is pastoring. 
This is the paradigm. It's about the health of the flock, not the growth and business management. That's right. Of something around which the church in the modern era must operate anyway. Now, quickly, as we just drop two other scriptures for you. One, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 4. So we're going from the model now to shepherding in the church. And in 1 Peter 5, in verses 1 and 2, it says, So I exhort the elves among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising yeah. oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as, as uh, God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Yes. And if you want to be something in church, you've got to have a heart that drives you beyond your desire for reward. That your reward is in heaven, that your reward is in the eternal values. That your care is to, to be like Paul says in another way, to present every man perfect in Christ. You'll, you'll never get there, in other words, on this side of glory. But you keep working for that. Mm. The rewards aren't immediate. But he says here, elders, shepherd the flock of God. That, an elder, and a, did, did you notice that Peter um, includes himself, I'm a fellow elder among you. You see, the functional leadership and highest level functionary leadership, whether they're apostle, prophet, evangelist, and shepherd, whatever, they are the elders of the church. They're not a subgroup of sort of old people that kind of govern <laughs> the one above them, you know. They're not a house of review. Right. They're the senior, mature, functioning ministries of the church, whatever their gifts and callings are. And, and Peter says, I'm one of you, and elders, I exhort... Shepherd the flock of God among you. I tell you that it doesn't matter whether you're an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet. If you haven't done your shepherding bit, you're not worth your salt. Right. Forgive me, I'm a bit rough on that. But I see the floating itinerant, what we call peripatetic, walking, walking the parapet. Peripatetic prophets all over the world who don't know how to love the flock. One of the first things I sort out when I go into a church is I say, listen to this church. The prophetic, as it comes into your church through me, mm -hmm. is submitted to the pastoral. Very good. And the pastoral takes precedence over the prophetic. I do not want to be a strange voice. Right. Know the voice of your shepherd. Very good. He's got things to say about me and my prophecy. Listen to him. Some prophets go, if I prophesy to you, it's from God. <laughs> <laughs> but he says elders are to shepherd yes. now shepherd is not just a noun it's a verb it's poimeno it's not just poimen it's poimeno hmm. and it's hearkening back in the language to John chapter 10 it's saying Jesus who was the model has given us the model now let's also be shepherds in the mode of Jesus. Let's be the doing of Jesus. Let's be the verb. 
of Jesus to the flock of God in our time. And then in verse 4 it says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. I already said our rewards are, are beyond us. It's not about now. But notice it calls him the chief shepherd. Now, if you were to put the word Archie, as in like we say, Archdeacon, you put the word Archie, Archie Poima, Poimeno, Arch Shepherd, Chief Shepherd. Jesus is the, he's the highest shepherd. But what that's inferring is that below him are shepherds, elders are shepherds, all functioning ministries are shepherds. What happened was, in the paradigm of the ancients, they'd have lots of flock, sorry, lots of folds in one flock. And there would be the owner of the flock who had a chief shepherd overseeing under shepherds. This is the paradigm. This is why, folks, small group is not just a merry little modern invention. Because our life groups are in effect folds. Yeah, he's getting to the point. Hmm. We cannot just be a Sunday meeting. Right. We have to have a way of being accountable with a loving touch. Touches you. And when you're missing, we know it. When you're hurting, we know it. Whether it's the rod or the staff that's needed. I don't mean the rod. I mean the rod. One, two. Not the count for statistics, but the count for who's not there. Remember that other parable about the one sheep missing from the 90, from the 100? The 99 were left. He put them in the fold and went out and got the missing. You with me? Some are not. They're leaving. <laughs> it's children time we've just got this last little comment and then we'll slide with but then we come to Ephesians 4.11 so important Ephesians 4.11 I love the ESV ha huh, what a breath of fresh air for the translation here and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists listen the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There is a calling called shepherd. Now, elders have to shepherd verb, but there is a calling called shepherd. There are some whose specific role is highly pastoral, highly nurturing, caring, accounting. There are ones who have upon them for the sake of the church. And notice what they are to do. They are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. These ones who are highly called as shepherds are to train under shepherds. And get the shepherd's heart into the church. Yeah. I have an aspiration. In our K-Day was not that long ago. I have a dream. Where all our leaders would be shepherds. In the model of Jesus. I have a dream too. An aspiration. Where in this congregation we have a flock. 
that we have folds. We have life groups. We have groups where there are under shepherds functioning for the nurture and the care and the protection of the flock. And that people are being trained in that so that we can grow with the growth and increase that God has given us. You see, I have a dream that the pastors would rise up. Today I want to decree it and declare it and get you to stand with me and believe for it. Would you do that right now? Come on, let's stand together. This is the good bit. We're nearly finished, you see. Standing's a sign from God. He's got to the end of his notes. Oh my God, this is a miracle. And I want you to stand with me. We're going to believe for a great inflow of a pastoral grace upon our church in yeah, half a second. You see, in this very text that we were looking at, just leave that screen, that's great. But in this text we were just looking at, it says that Jesus has given to the church shepherds. That is apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, shepherd, or teacher, uh, shepherd, teacher. What it's saying there is that when Jesus left here to sit there and govern this as the chief shepherd, he divided himself in portions. We call them ministry gifts. To get the full dimension of Jesus, we've got to have all of those things functional in and affecting the church. Not necessarily saying that every local church has to have all five, but at least we have, we have to have the influence thereof. Because characteristically, there's that part of Jesus, which is the shepherd. I'm going to believe that some of you are going to be raised up to be great pastors. There'll come a day from your voluntary involvement where maybe you'll go out and plant a church because you'll have all the graces of the Jesus model on you. Or there'll come a day in the succession of leadership in this church, you'll be the ones that God puts his hand on because you have all the graces of the Jesus shepherd in you. Well, there'll come a day that in this church that we have grown so much that there are so many folds. We have to have chief shepherds and pastors and under shepherds making sure that all is in the model of the chief shepherd. Let's pray right now. Lord, as we come at this time and rather excited about the beginning of our year and the trend of what has been taught and preached in the last few Sundays. We pray for a grace on it and for it to continue. That there will be a pastoral anointing unlocked in heaven over this church. Father, we'll see the rise of pastors. name of Jesus. I pray for that. It's a church we agree for. Amen? Yes. Amen. Let's see it. Let's believe it. Thank you, Lord. You will raise up those who have the great pastoral heart. In the paradigm of what we're talking about, we would have a healthy church. We might come from four corners of the city, but we will be a healthy church, not a Sunday meeting. One other thing I want to pray for. I want to pray for you. Because I want to pray for you that you'll capture something that's going
kind of subliminal to much of what I said, but that you will feel the urge to connect to the pastoral system. I'm using that word. Or you will adopt for yourself as a personal modus operandi the pastoral paradigm. You'll get involved in small group. You won't coexist with sin and tolerate difficulties in your life and struggle on your own, but you'll go for help. The inconsistencies of which you know about yourself, you know, this church doesn't point you out, doesn't beat you up. We hardly ever thrash you over any list of sins, mainly because if I'm pointing that way, I've got these horrible other three fingers pointing back at me. The fact is, we all know that sometimes we've got to get something shifted and changed. And I'm telling you, to keep growing and keep going with God takes pastoral help. So Lord, just lift your hands, church. Make yourself vulnerable to the shepherd right now. No, that's not me. I'm talking about the chief shepherd, Jesus. Father, I pray for this wonderful flock of God. I pray for a fresh heart to be pastored. I pray for an openness of spirit. Some of you are accounting right now for the difficulties in your life that are embarrassing to you. and You don't know that what I just said you can do. But I'm telling you right now, just go to Jesus because he already knows. It's not about us knowing, it's about him. Just throw yourself into his loving arms. If he, could, if he could put the 99 into the enclosure and go out and look after the one that's stuck in the bramble or she's after you. Loves you. He's come to put oil on your wounds. He's come to heal you up. He's come to fix up the issues. Father, I pray that this church will have a great desire to be in the fold, to be accountable nurture, to be led in and out to life-giving, growth-giving pastors in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. For more information, join us online at c3b.ca.